This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. Shalom and welcome to Asia Torah's Practical Spirituality class here overlooking the Temple Mount. Um, today's class, we still don't have a subject, so anyone tuning in live can send a subject our way. It's, uh, you're still within the time. Everyone in the class should not think I'm paying any attention to these people online. First of all, how many people are really watching at 8 a.m. in New York, 5 a.m. in L.A.? Like, nobody. So it's really that all the watching comes later. And, uh, but by the end of the day, it's at four, five, six thousand people per day. So it's, and that's not to mention the, the other places that watch it. But just Facebook gets up to 5,000. 6,000 People watch things multiple times. I can't even watch something once. Okay. So we're open to subjects. Um, so who do we got here? Jack. Jack, you have a, you have a subject you want me to cover? Maybe so, let's stick with family. Something to th- maybe honoring your parents. I got my parents here. I mean, how often are my parents in the class? Let's say hi, mom and dad. One sec. Yep, those are my folks. Say hi, dad. Hi. I can't imagine what it must be like to have well, me as a son. Yeah, let's do honor the parents. Let's do honor the parents. Yeah, I think we'll do honor the parents. I also want to mention that um, uh, unfortunately we have a younger crowd today, but the uh, but we this class feeds a family. The my class on Thursdays it's feed a family day. And that was the head of the family. Just poked his head, and someone who got laid off. And so we uh, we feed him. So at the end of the class, if someone reminds me, please, we will put a little tzedakah towards him, and uh, we'll give him a little dough. Uh, if you give change, it buys drinks. If you give bills, it buys fish or chicken. So we we take care of this family. Whoever sits here takes care of that family. That's your big mitzvah. And uh, so please keep that in mind after and please remind me because sometimes I forget to say anything and I go out there and he's like, what'd you bring? And I'm like, oops, <laughs> not a good feeling right before Shabbos. Uh, you know, what's amazing is the word sadaka. You know, you, you guys know the word charity, right? Charity means to give money to the poor. Sadaka comes from something else. The, the word sedek is not such a clear word, but it means to... Um, have things be equal. The sign for the word sedek is the scale. And so if someone has like a lot of dough and someone has very little dough, so you give tzedakah and it evens out the scale. It comes from the word sedek, which means that... So what we see from that is that this whole discussion on capitalism, communism, equality of wealth, all those subjects, um, Judaism has its own take on this, and that is, uh, and that, is that we do not rely on the government to take care of the poor. We rely on people to take care of the poor. And we do have laws based on it, but uh, one of those laws is that you can, you have to give 10% of your income if you're poor, all the way up to 20 if you're rich, um, to the poor. And you, you just have to do that. You've got to earmark all your money. Um, I strongly suggest, by the way, not waiting to the end of the year to figure out how much money you made. <laughs> if you really want to see your money grow, every time you make money, just give that 10%. Just give it right there. 
And what happens is God says, oh, wow, who is he? He just says, well, he's the kind of guy you want to pump more money into. And so the, and so you just keep, you know, like you, you want that kind of relationship with, with your money, that the money goes out immediately. Sometimes I speak to stock traders. Recently I spoke to one who was all broken up because he had just made $100,000 in like an hour. The stock market was so excited because he'd only lost until... Like, you can't, like, you can't take charity and go, like, take your charity money to Vegas and lose it all. You know, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta give the money. So, anyways, you know what the guy did? He's such a holy guy. You know what he does? He wrote a check for charity right in front of me for $10,000. And just to do, like, to repent before God. So, not only lose the 60 grand... He only would have owed 40 then, but he wrote a check for 10 as if telling God, I'm sorry that I didn't give the money when I had it. And so that's why I really think that when you make money, give it, give it now. Don't wait around. Obviously, you can, uh, you can uh, account for the taxes, meaning you don't have to give money you're going to be you know, paying in taxes. I can't see this lady over there. Can you two in the back slide a little... I keep jostling myself around and try to see you. You can slide your table a bit too, just to so you're not trapped. And then go a little further. Okay. And then if you can pull a little to the side. Yeah. A little bit. Yeah, yeah I got it. So, uh, in that vein, when you do uh, mitzvah, it's good to give charity, right? Afterwards, hmm? or if there's. Oh, like giving tzedakah. There are people who pray and then give tzedakah. To like, it kind of seals in the prayer. Is that what it is for? Yeah, there are there are people who will pray and then give a little tzedakah, but it can be a, just a, it can be a half a shekel, you know, just like a dime. Right. You, but there are a lot of people who will do prayer and then they give a little tzedakah. And also, like, uh, I see people who make uh, challah and they'll give they'll put money in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but it's not directly linked. Like, it's, that's just customs. Okay, um, today we're going to talk about honoring our parents. Um, we have this amazing mitzvah to honor our parents. Um, a lot of people uh, think it's a mitzvah that is up to you, how you do it. But like all other commandments, it actually has rules. And uh, I'll tell you some of those rules. When they walk into the room, you stand up. Okay. When they walk in the room, you stand up. That's it. Every time they walk in. Now, if they're already in the house, you don't have to stand up every time they walk into the room. But if they've come out of nowhere and now they're in your house or wherever, you stand up. So if you come into my house with me, you'll see my kids will get up. Um, You feed them. You help them. Now, obviously, most parents don't need that now, so that mitzvah comes in later. But once they get older, you feed them, wash them, take care of them. Okay, that's that's the big mitzvah later. Scary mitzvah. <laughs> Nobody wants to have to do that. And uh, thank God so far, you, my parents are taking great care of themselves. So haven't had to do any of that. But uh, I guess I'm in if necessary. Um, the next is... Uh, the next is... Um, you cannot call them by their first names. <laughs> Not too many people call their parents by their first name, but but you can't call them by their first names. And it's really funny when little Hasidic kids are lost, and they're like, what's your father's name? And the kid's like... <laughs> and you're like, you're allowed to say when you're lost. And the kid's just like... 
<laughs> What's your last name? Yeah. So funny in our amusement parks during the big vacation, they, we got Hasidic kids in everywhere, and they get lost naturally because when you have eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve kids, you can't help but lose them. And it's just part of life, you know. You lose kids, and then the kids that grow up get lost once in a while. Doesn't scar them too badly, I suppose. But but when you go to these amusement parks, they in, you know there's like music playing in the background. It doesn't play because every minute is another announcement. And you know, uh, we got little Yankee here. He doesn't know his last name, nor does he know his phone number, and he refuses to say his parents. So anyone with a kid named Goldie. They have a long list of names. They just go down them until the kid goes. <laughs> They're working on their Yiddish pronunciations. Um, you guys got to slide over just one more time. I'm sorry. Just slide over a little. Um, no, you're good. No, you're good. No. Yes. I mean, if it weirds them out? I don't know. You don't have to tell them that. You just stand up. and. Uh, I'm not holding at a level where, like, in seminary, it's like a lot of the girls, like, you sitting at the table, and, like, the rabbi at Robinson walks in, and, like, I kind of stand up, and I'm just, like, sitting there. There are other girls. Yeah, you have to stand up when the rabbi walks in. But, like, <laughs> I don't know, like. You don't want to stand up for the rabbi? I get him water. You get him water? You just don't want to stand up for him? What? Why wouldn't you stand up for your parents? She didn't have to notice. She didn't have to notice. Let her think you're getting a cup of water or something. You don't have to. Your parents don't have to know what you're doing when you get them. When you stand up, just stand up. Yes. Now, everything I just told you about honoring your parents is only... Um, can you find a better seat, please, back there? Or just slide over one way or the other. Um, no, you guys are good. Do not move. <laughs> you, two, you two stay there, and she moves. Yes, good, good. So, the, um, another... another uh, but what I just told you about honoring your parents, that's bare minimum. That's like if you have lousy parents. I Meaning there are people who have pretty lousy parents. So, it really boils down to standing up, you know, getting them some food, getting them a drink, uh, helping them wash if necessary. Like, that's for lousy parents. But for everyone else who has amazing parents, so like me. So, so all that list I told you was bare minimum. That was bare minimum. That's just like if you have lousy parents, like you got to at least do that. Now, when you build it up, it's not just that you honor them. It's that they felt honored. You understand? It's not just that you did the perfunctory acts that honor parents. No, it's that they feel honored. And therefore, you'd want to be doing stuff to make your parents feel honored. That's like the extra credit stuff for people who have a good relationship with their parents, is to go out of your way for them, which may mean picking them up at the airport, which means mean, I don't know, just taking care of anything you can for them. I mean, they t- it's, what it is is like the basics of gratitude. You know, they, these people wiped your behind, you know, for months, if not years, depending on how slow you were to get potty trained. But, 
you know, they, they, your mother risked her life to birth you. You know, it's life risking. And then, and then to carry all the years. Now, I'm sure she was made plenty of mistakes. You know, I, I guess part of getting older is realizing that, you know, that your mother's only human, your father's only human. But, but our job is to focus on what they did for us, and then to have gratitude and and show that gratitude and help them and give them that feeling that they were honored. So for all of us, we want to make sure our parents feel honored. Now, here we got an issue. You got the Ten Commandments, and the fourth of the Ten Commandments is to keep Shabbat, and the fifth commandment of the Ten Commandments is to honor your parents. That's to honor your parents. Now, that's kind of interesting, because the first five were supposed to be about God, and the second five were supposed to be about people, right? You got, know there's a God's name in vain, keep the Sabbath, but then in the first five, you get this thing about honoring your parents, and then the second five are all about people. So then it hits people, but it hits people in the first five. The second five are um, don't murder, don't steal, sorry, don't, um, don't, no adultery. Adultery means the list of forbidden relationships. Yeah, you guys know the rap. It's uh, 47 commandments of, uh, of uh, forbidden things to do with your private parts. And... Uh, and so we try to get them by heart because the rabbi who spoke to them before me, Rabbi Nekemeyer, who, uh, who uh, where's Daniel? Where's Daniel? Where's your son Daniel? Oh, he must have took it off. So anyway, you guys will love him. You got to hear him sting? You like him? Yeah. He's a crazy guy, that guy. Oh, my God. What's up with that guy? So anyway, he, uh, he ran a program where you get to learn all the commandments by heart. You want to hear all the uh, idolatries? Uh, 53 of those. Yeah, idolatry. Forget it. So, anyway, um, why are we talking about forbidden relationships right now? Oh, yeah. Sorry. So, number five is um, don't kill, meaning don't murder. Number six is no, none of those forbidden relationships. Number, the next one, number eight, is to not kidnap. Everyone thinks it's don't steal, like Gentiles thinks it's don't steal. That's another commandment. That's later. This is don't kidnap which is quite interesting what that's doing in the Ten Commandments. Like, not exactly what I was thinking of doing this afternoon. <laughs> you know, meaning uh, if the bus driver didn't notice that I didn't pay, you know, that's a little bigger, uh, you know, test than uh, don't kidnap. Anyway, but it's don't kidnap. Um, and then the number nine is, raise your hand if you didn't know it was don't kidnap. Well, ain't that peculiar. And number, number nine is uh, do not covet other people's stuff, which is like, that seems pretty minor compared to most things. Like the fact that guy shows up right next to you at a red light in a, like, a Porsche SUV, you know, Cayenne Turbo, you know, and you're coveting him, you broke the Ten Commandments. You know, like, <laughs> how'd that happen? You know, that's just, uh, there's a table for two right here, please. Um, hey, what's up? Oh, the family's here. Oh, my gosh. I just saw your son. He's not coming. He's afraid I'm going to showcase him, I think. So, and, uh... Hey, Rabbi, how are you? You want to join us a little bit? Okay. He'll sit over there. Um, guys, you want to come sit? There's two more seats right here. Table for three. Uh, what were we talking about now? Um, oh, don't covet. 
Don't covet. It's just one of the strangest things. What is that doing in the Ten Commandments? Like, can someone please raise their hand and tell me what in the world is that doing there? Yeah. Here it's like wanting something that belongs to someone else. A lot of the forbidden relationships don't necessarily, it's not necessarily a married person. What about humility? No, I'm not saying it's not a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. What's it doing in the Ten Commandments? No, no, no. I mean, I mean it's, like, it's like it humbles you. A lot of things humble you. <laughs> hit the top ten list, bro. Because the basic thing is that everything comes from God, so it's not it's someone else's. Uh, I like that. Everything comes from God. Like, if you're coveting someone else's stuff, you're basically denying God knows how to put different possessions in different people's hands. So far, she wins. What's that, Ahoven? She's always given the Hasidic meaning of things. Okay, great. Okay, back to us. And the 10th commandment, don't bear false witness. false witness. Yeah, no, which is also strange that that's in the list, like bear false witness. I understand why lying about something you say, meaning saying you saw something you didn't see is a lousy thing to do, but the 10 commandments. Right? Also, <laughs> the 10th commandment doesn't apply to women. Because women are not witnesses anyway for in the court of law. It is completely thrown out of court. And uh, now two men, after major interrogation, obviously separating them and interrogating them completely to see if they still have the same story, is, uh, by the way, if they have the exact same story after we interrogate them, we also throw it out. How'd they get the exact same story? <laughs> like, they must have planned this. And so the exact same story is also no good. And the, I mean, we throw out every kind of testimony. It's very hard to get any testimony through a court of law in, in Israel. But, but the, one, the other thing I have to say, and this is very not nice, so ladies, if you want to kill me after this class, I would totally understand. The, um, I, was once, uh, I was once, as a young man, I was leading a trip uh, of kids to, to Tzfat. You know, like a busload of kids. Anyway, we're at the restaurant, and all the girls come up crying that they saw this accident. They saw a truck come. No, they saw a car come and, like, slam into a parked car and, like, basically totaled the parked car, backed up, and drove off, hit and run. So they're like, okay, great, we'll call the cops. So I call the cops, and I'm trying to explain to the cops, and so uh, can one of you please describe the car? This car, according to these four women, had four, there were four different colors given (laughs) by the women, we had two-door, we had four-door, we had a hatchback. You know, there was every kind of option was there. It was unbelievable. It was like, it was like every type of car that could have possibly been this car. And, they, and then they're fighting about it, and the cop's like, why don't you call me back when you got this worked out? And I'm like, okay. I, then I broke out paper, and I started writing down, and I'm trying to see if any of the one, anyone, like, matched certain things of the four. And then I finally said to the ladies, I'm like, like, I'm not calling the cops back. Like, we, we've got nothing. We've got nothing. You know, it was amazing. Four different colors of the car. So, <laughs> told you you're going to want to kill me. Okay, 
Let's go back. Let's go back. Uh, yeah, I saw that it paused. That's okay. There's something wrong with our current today. Let's go back to honoring our parents. You'll notice that the fourth commandment comes down on the God side of the scale, and the reason—sorry, the fifth commandment—and the reason is is a couple of things. Number one is that is that our parents are the ultimate sign of gratitude. Our parents are our relationship to to you know the fact that you come from somewhere, and so the the bridge from the first commandments that are only about God to go up to the other commandments which are about people, the bridge between those two commandments is the honoring of one's parents because that, that bridges you towards people. But, the, but it's a bridge because if you can't honor your parents, so how are you going to have a good relationship with God? Now, I can just tell you as someone who works with people in depth, like I work deeply with people, it's, uh, it is interesting to watch people's relationship with God who had a bad relationship with their parents. People whose relationship with their parents was not okay um, have a rough time with God. It really does bridge our relationship with God. And so it's worth it to work out your relationship with, with your parents. Um, you also meet people who think they're going to do the God thing and mask their parent issues. And that's also uh, not a great idea. I mean, it's good to do the God relationship. That's great. But, but you have to, at the same time, work on your relationship with your parents. you got to get that all figured out. Um, because in the end it'll, it'll, it'll bite you it'll come back to bite you if you don't work out your relationship with your parents um, it's hard to have a relationship with God if your, parent, your parent, relationship with your parents isn't, isn't cool um, next is how do you honor your parents if your parents tell you to do something that's forbidden by the Torah and that's another reason it's there is because it's right after Shabbat and what do our rabbis say that if your parents no no you keep Shabbat. Okay. Interesting. So the, so, we, so the rabbis tell us that one of the reasons why it's over there on the first part is because it has to be next to Shabbat. Because for many parents, especially parents who don't keep Shabbat, that is the most difficult thing is having a kid who keeps Shabbat. Because if the kid keeps Shabbat, that means there's just no interaction one day a week. There's a disaster. And, the, and this is a... And there are a lot of parents who are traditional, like, for example, Sephardim who are very traditional, and they still get together every Shabbat. Every Shabbat, they're all together, and you do not miss that. Like, you will hear about it till the next Shabbat if you miss that. You don't miss it. And then all of a sudden, one of the kids starts getting observant, and they decide that's it, they're going to start keeping Shabbat, which means they're no longer there. Because unless the parents live right nearby, which if you're in L.A., they don't, because so, no one lives near each other in L.A., so you're... You know, you're, you're just like, you are a bomb that dropped on the family because you keep Shabbat. It makes people very upset and, and uh, can really disrupt a family. But what's the right thing to do? Keep Shabbat or keep the family happy? Which one? Shabbat, Shabbat, Shabbat. That's right. We keep Shabbat. Keep Shabbat and the family's just going to have to deal with it. I mean, you can't, what's wonderful though, I just want to say is to go way out of your way for family. If you do start keeping Shabbat, is to go way out of your way for family. For example, let's say it's big bad, big bad Bobby's bar mitzvah barbecue in the bah- Bahamas, yeah, and the uh, and so everyone's flying over to the Bahamas on Friday night, and the bar mitzvah Saturday morning, and and everyone, you know, and then no one's expecting you to go because you keep Shabbat, 
and you're not getting on that flight and whatever. Now, they all show up Saturday morning at the Big Bad Bobby's Bar Mitzvah Barbecue in the Bahamas. And, and so they all get to the Bahamas, and the next day, they show up to the barbecue, and guess who's there? You! And they're like, what are you doing here? And I'm like, you think I'm going to let Judaism get in the way of family? You mean you flew over here? No. You see that tent over there? I've been, I've been, I got here Friday afternoon, and I've been camped out in the middle of nowhere waiting for you all to arrive. But I'm keeping true to God. I'm keeping true to, to my family. And you know who did this the, the best was when my mother, who Baruch Hashem is here right now, when, when my mother decided to keep Shabbat, you know, years ago. Say hi, Mom. So when my mother decided to keep Shabbat years ago, she never missed family events. She was at everything. And at first they were like, okay, she's not eating food. She's not like, you know, driving around. My mother had to get a hotel room and like figure out what she was going to eat. And like obviously bring food or whatever, put kosher food and stuff. And you know what happens today now? Uh, 20 years later, you want to know what happens today? Um, maybe I'll come over here just to be part of this. <laughs> Hi, everyone. Just to you guys didn't tell me my flash is on. Well, <laughs> Have I been shining a flash in your eyes this whole time? Yeah. <laughs> Later, I was going to like be so happy that my battery like got some battery life. <laughs> Meanwhile, my flash is just chewing it up. Anyway... Anyway, but here we are, 20 years later, whenever there's a bar or bat mitzvah in the family, she gets sent tickets, you know, meaning they, they know she's going to have to fly. She gets sent tickets. She gets a glot kosher ordered meals from a caterer. No matter where it's from, they will ship it in. She gets hotel room booked by this totally secular family, but they know she put it out there before, years ago, and said, I'm not going to make Judaism more important than family. And I'm going to be there at these events. And, and today they send her everything, and everything's all set. Ain't that right? Sort of. <laughs> <laughs> Very honest lady, too. Oh, yeah, not everyone's so good at that. Okay, maybe I'll send this to the family and let them, <laughs> let them deal with it. Let me get that flash off. Did it go off? Yes. Can't believe that. That's like a, that's like a technological disaster. These days, I mean, when I got to, when I grew up, we're, we're much more giving today. Anyway, um, I just want to mention one more thing on the subject of honoring God before your parents is... Um, when I was uh, when I came to Asia Tour many years ago. Ninety one. It was right after the Gulf War in nineteen ninety one. Yeah, right when the last scuds fell, it was when I like somehow like washed up on the shore here. So <laughs> convenient that it was after the Scud missiles from Iraq. But I I wasn't that wasn't why. Um when I when I got here, so I was studying and everything was cool. And, but my my at the time, my parents, with specifically my father, uh, made a big, big, uh, a big, big like protest that I should be doing this with my life, coming from LA. I mean, they really went heavy, heavy, 
And in those days, there wasn't email, and there wasn't text messaging, and there weren't even cell phones. It was like, the only way you could contact anyone was either sending a letter or a fax. No, so, or a phone call that cost a fortune. Or a phone call that cost a fortune. No one's doing that. You know, it was so cool back then. <laughs> so cool. Because think about it. You'd be in this class. And the second you leave this class, there's nowhere else you can go. You can't, like, you're not Facebooking with someone on the other side of the planet. You're not in 10 time zones. You're not, you're not even, you're not even going to be able to Google whether the rabbi said it was true, what the rabbi said was true or not. You know, today you can Google anything we say, and we, we, actually, we actually suggest that you do Google things we say. Like, take your phones out and Google. We get guys Googling while we're speaking, which is great. Keeps us honest, keeps us happy, keeps the thing intellectual and sound. But in the old days, you just were basically like, okay, I guess like, I guess he knows what he's talking about. You just walked out. And then you couldn't contact anybody. Like the closest you could come were these little coins with holes in the middle called Asimon. And, and, and like you would stick like 10 of them in the phone for like 10 shekel or whatever. And then while you're still saying hi, it's just like there's a digital thing timing down from like two minutes. And you're just like, I'm still alive. I'm not dead, goodbye, you know. And then, so your parents couldn't even, like, discuss with you the fact that you've been, like, completely brainwashed by a bunch of Jews. And so it was, it was just so amazing. And then Shabbat would come, and you were keeping Shabbat by accident. There wasn't a single store open. You don't have technology to do it. There was no such thing as Internet or personal computers, really. There was, you kept Shabbat by accident unless you smoked. Okay, you smoked, maybe. But smoking was already going out of style a bit, except for Israelis. And, and you'd be in some apartment where the light bolt, lights were ch- taped shut. Toilet paper was cut. You know, like, you couldn't break Shabbat if you wanted to. So what would happen is us rabbis, we'd be waiting for you all to get back every Sunday. And you'd all come back, like, like, like super Jew for just having had, like, a, your first full Shabbat. Two weeks, your second full Shabbat. Three weeks, you've had three full Shabbats that you'd have to try to break. And you couldn't even break it if you tried. There was nothing to break it with. And so it was just incredible what happened. It was a renaissance. Absolute renaissance. Anyway, um, so my parents were sending faxes. Faxes. Fax is a machine you put paper in and it comes out paper on the other side. I don't know if you guys have heard of fax machines, but... The, they still have fax machines? Yeah, I haven't seen I mean, when's the last time I sent a fax? You saw a fax machine? Like, I used one. You used one this last year? Anyway, so they had these machines. They're called faxes. So my father's faxes to me, the rabbis who had been teaching in Eshtor for like 15 years at the time, said that his faxes were the roughest faxes they had ever read from a father angry about his son in yeshiva. Like, like really angry. And so it put, it, it, it pushed and pushed and pushed, and what happened was it finally pushed me too far. Because don't forget, on the other side, no one wants to like, no. One, I call this instant nerd. Like no one wants after so many years of being cool to like suddenly go nerd, is is ridiculous. Like no one wants to do that. And then and certainly wearing cosmic dental floss around is like <laughs> that's that. I'm like. Yeah, he had no idea. I said, I'm, I'm going to call a travel agent. I can't take it anymore. And he'd, I'd been letting the rabbis read your faxes. You know? And so, yeah, they were helping me. I was like, I was getting crushed on the other side. So, so I said, yeah, I, I can't take it anymore. I'm, I'm flying back to L.A. I mean, this is it. I, 
I'm like destroying my father, you know. And my mother, you were hanging in pretty tight for this. We sent everybody we knew to come here and see what's going on and get you out of here. <laughs> oh, don't forget, there's no internet. See, they don't even know where I am. It's not like they went to H.com. You understand? H.com was not even in their father's eyes at the time, and and so so they, yeah, they, don't, they barely know where I am. I mean, there would have been one or two people who got, like, sucked into this place, and, like, clearly it's a cult. So, anyway, so what does he say to me? He says to me something so amazing. He says, if your parents had any idea what they stand to gain in this world and the next, they would chain you to this table so that you would keep studying Torah. If your parents had any idea what they stand to gain in this world and the next, they would chain you to this table to keep studying the Torah. And I was like, yeah, I guess you're right. Tough love. Tough love. You know what tough love is? Tough love is when you love someone, but you got to be tough. And do the best for them, even though it's going to hurt. So that was it. I chained myself to the table. For many, many years, studied for many years, and be, whatever, became fully observant. They followed and came to get me out of yeshiva, and they wound up staying themselves for a while, Baruch Hashem. And then, uh, anyway, it was all a fairy tale ending, but there was one thing I always wondered. Why did he say this world and the next? Why did he say this world and the next? I understand the next, meaning when, when, they, when they turn 120, and they're going to be able to go upstairs, and the prosecuting attorney is going to be prosecuting on them, and they're going to be like, but, 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 you know. And then all of a sudden, they're just going to see, like, Rabbi Yom Tov Glazer on a split screen up there. And they're like, oh, wait, Rabbi Yom Tov's teaching. And then they're like, and the court's like, okay, uh, what do they call when they re- do a rec- recess? Mm-hmm. Recess. And, they're, and my, meanwhile, my father's just going like, that's my boy. You know? <laughs> 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 what a and my father's like, my father's like, but I tried to get him out of there. My, my mother's like, shh. <laughs> anyway, so I, I understood the next world part, but I never understood this world because my parents were suffering so badly. And so what, I, what happened was many years later, my kids are at my Shabbos table. And my kids, you know, my parents are there. My kids, you know, eight kids, they're all singing Shalom Aleichem and they're serenading my parents and my parents are singing away with their grandkids and it's like they're waiting on them hand and foot and they're helping them here and they're helping them there and they're helping everywhere and then they're they're serenading them in like a parade back to their apartment you know and this is going on every night and my parents are like in this like what's called nachas heaven they're in the, getting what's called nachas nachas is when your next generations are carrying on the traditions it's called nachas so they're getting all this nachas and and what happened was they flew back to the US and I speak to my mom on the phone and I asked my mother, like, how how was your re-entry back to LA? And she says it's fine. And she says, but there's one hard part. The hard part is when everyone asks us, when their friends ask them how was our trip, so she says she can't tell them. She can't tell them how the trip was, because she doesn't want to rub it in their face. The nachas. 
that my parents get, again, nachas is the, the feeling you get. You can't, there's no English definition, but it's the feeling you get when you see your progeny carrying out your traditions. It's just an amazing feeling. And so they said, we can't, we're not going to rub that in our parents' face. In our friend, sorry, in our friends' faces. And so they can't even share what happened to them here. But you know what you said at the end of that was you said, you'll the rabbi who sat next to me when I was a young man saying what, what they stand to gain in this world and the next, they would chain you this table because in the end they got the nachas of, uh, of all those years. of um, all, the, all these years they're getting of, of nachas from the grandchildren. You hear what's going on here? You get what I'm trying to say? So it's a bit of a tough love kind of thing to do. So honoring your parents, we're on honoring your parents, so on honoring your parents, that was a long story for honoring your parents, is that sometimes honoring your parents is going against their will in towards Judaism. It's going against their will toward Judaism. And, uh, and doing the right things, even if your parents don't really want you to be doing those things. Because in the end, you're, you're really very much honoring them and, and you can also I don't want to get to say anything too strong here because it is the essentials program but let's look at the opposite side what if I had buckled what if I had buckled to the pressure and took off and went back to LA and just washed out totally washed out everything I had gained which is what would have happened I mean LA certainly didn't have any infrastructure to hold anything Jewish at the time so the uh, what had had happened? It still doesn't, by the way. Um, what if I had gotten washed out in L.A. honoring them? Like that would not look good at when they turned one twenty. You know, like you know, wrong idea. You know, to get your kid if you want if you win the lottery and your kid winds up in yeshiva, just leave him alone. Leave him alone. You you won the jackpot. Yeah, you'll miss them and they might wind up living far from you, but. But at least your eternity is not is not hampered by it's Im- greatly Im- emboldened and and not hampered by having pulled them away from from spirituality. Okay, um, so that was that subject, and there's another subject I wanted to tell you about honoring your parents. Oh, yeah, is what do we do if we have issues with our parents? Of course, I have no issues with my parents. My parents are perfect. But what do you do? What do you do? If your phone calls with your parents are like, oh, yeah, dad, yeah, I can't speak right now. No, it's bad timing. Yeah, I got to go. Or your mom calls and it's like, oh, mom, uh, yeah, it's really bad timing. I can't, yeah, I can't speak now. We'll try to speak later. You know what that's called? That's called orphaning. Orphanings when you kill someone way before they die. I had someone call me recently, one of my graduates of my seminars, he called me recently that he, had, he was mourning his father, and he and his brothers were all mourning the father. And you know what he said? He said that he was the only one who mourned his father. The other ones mourned the fact that they had knocked him off years ago. You see, there's nothing more dangerous for you than your mother and father. and Maybe that's why it's in the Ten Commandments. Your mother and father are guaranteed to make you feel like you're nine for the rest of your life. They never stop giving you advice. And it's so unsolicited, it's ridiculous. Like, we're not asking advice. But she never stops, does she? She just keeps telling you how to live your life. And your father keeps telling you, you okay? Your father keeps telling you, 
Your father doesn't stop telling you how to live your life. And he's not going to stop. And, and so what happens is you can't ever grow up that way. How are you ever going to become a man if your father is allowed to keep wiping your nose? And how are you ever going to become a woman if your mother is entitled to constantly remind you that you're nine years old? And by the way, how long do you spend on the phone with someone who makes you feel like you're nine years old? Well, the answer is as short as possible. Now, all of this flies in the face of this commandment of honoring your parents. This is all really nuts when they call. Well, that's not called honoring your parents. And so how do we get over this? And by the way, our parents, uh, let's put it like this. I got a question for you. Why does, has my, uh, my father's uh, really good at financial advice. Like he's, if any of you need financial advice, like he's the man. You know, he's really good at financial advice. He happened to have a creative, artistic, spiritual son. So, like, give. I just have a question for a few of you here. Uh, uh, let's ask this guy in the this shirt here. Uh, I can't tell if it says GT or CT. Uh, GT. Is it about a car or something? It's a, it's a college. Okay. Oh, Georgia Tech. Okay. Has my father, who's sitting right here, has he ever phoned you about your financial well-being? Yeah. He He's never done that. No. No. Um, has my father ever called you? Has my father ever called you about your financial... Why does this man in California not stop calling me with financial advice? Why is that? Someone tell me. Because he... Because he... Don't say he cares. He... Say it. He loves you. Yeah, that's right. Because he loves me. He cares about a lot of things. He loves me. Okay? So, the reason he's always giving me advice is because he loves me. Now, that might have taken me a few years to realize... But we all have to realize that when your mother doesn't leave you alone about X, Y, and Z, all you need to hear from now on is, is, I love you, I love you, I love you. You just hear, I love you. In every which way she speaks, in every which way your father speaks to you, all he's saying the whole time is, I love you. You have to learn to translate that. you got to learn to translate their advice as, I love you, the whole time. Now, these are the only two people in the world who would refinance their house to bail you out of financial trouble if you got in trouble with a law. You know, if you got in real trouble, like legal trouble, they're the only two people on earth who would actually, actually put their house on, you know, give their house to a bank to get the money to pay for your legal trouble. These are the only two people in the world who would, who would literally sell their house to pay for your medical if you had an emergency that insurance wasn't covering in some strange country. And, the, and you got, you now have, you know, a medical disaster that's only going to be paid for in cash. They would sell their home. These are the only two people like that. All their unsolicited advice is because they're, they're an incredible dedication and love for you forever and ever and ever, and they would take a bullet for you. And But we can't seem to stay on the phone for more than five seconds. So we have to be able to translate their language. So this guy called me from New York, and he said that he was mourning his father... And he mourned, but his brothers were not because they were going through another kind of pain that most people sadly go through when their parents pass away. And that is that they go through the pain of having knocked them off years before they passed away. And have you ever noticed, you want to stand up a little, you're uncomfortable? Please, you can go hang out against that wall or whatever, whatever you need. Let me know if you need anything specific. You want to take a walk? Take a walk. Take a walk. Just close, close the door, though. Careful the workers there. Don't get hit by anything. They're setting up a, an event, it sounds like. 
Anyway, the... Have you ever noticed when people pass away, everyone forgets about everything they ever did wrong? Like, all their issues? There's something about... People finally feel safe when they're six feet under. And... But the thing is, is if, they're, if it's your parent, and all of a sudden all the issues that were so unsafe for you, like, for example, unsolicited advice just doesn't feel safe when you're a budding man or a budding woman, all that unsafeness, now that they're six feet under, you forget all about it. And then you're like, well, what did I do? I missed all that time with them. So you don't want to you don't want to mess with this kind of stuff, and you never know. Like things happen. I've I've had many students over the years who have said that their parent passed suddenly, and they didn't get to say the words, and that, you know to really be whole with their parents. And I have other people who thanked me and said, "Thank you for getting me to say the words," because I'm the, I was the only one of my siblings who got complete with my parents before, you know, whatever the father had some untimely death and. You know, some freaked out thing happened and he died. And I, and um, she was so appreciative. Like, thank you for prompting me to get complete with my parents before that time. Because you do not want to be incomplete with a parent when they pass away. You want to be complete with them. And and so, you, yeah, you want to say something? Yeah, I have a question. Yeah, go ahead. Okay, and I love my parents. Help them with water and drink and clean cleanliness, things like that. Linda Rahatner, well, that's cool. Linda's watching. Linda Rahatner. Really? Yeah. My mom's here. She says hi. We're talking about honoring our parents. Um, I think we basically covered this. Uh, is there any questions about honoring parents that you came up with? Yeah. So specifically, whether you have to spend time with them if they're not well is. Uh, yeah, I hear. I hear. Um, you you ask. You have to ask your. Um, L- you have to ask your LOR about that. You know what LORs are? Local Orthodox rabbi. So you have to ask your LOR about that because it's more details involved. Um, you also have. What do you do with a father or a mother who were abusive? No one asked that one. That's an important question. He did. Oh, I didn't hear you. I heard him say something else. Yeah. So abusive parents. Guess what? What do you say? You got. You still have the mitzvah to honor them or not? No, you still have to honor them. You still have to honor them. If you're in any danger, then you don't. Then, but you can't ask. You can't let me say that. You have to go speak out the details to the local rabbi, meaning whoever is your rabbi, because once it's in the Ten Commandments, like you don't mess with it. You don't just hear a rabbi glazer class and suddenly decide you you don't have to honor your parents. So I misunderstood you. So if parents are abusive, um, if it's if there's still abuse going on. So then most rabbis will say you're totally off the hook until they get therapy or get themselves worked out, when you'll, at which point you're back on the hook. Um, but you want to hear the craziest thing? Here is the craziest thing. I've had, uh, I've had you know, many clients who were, who were badly abused. When I say badly abused, you can use your imagination and we'll leave it at that. You know, we're talking like the worst of the worst. And... Now, that person, whether it was a guy or a girl, 
had obviously gotten their act together and got out of touch, like completely and totally and thoroughly out of touch with that parent. But hiding, meaning the parent doesn't know their address, they don't know anything about them. They have, and many of them had to cut off from the entire family because, because the, uh, because otherwise the parent can get the info, and get and find them. And we're talking about parents who are just so not well emotionally. They're not actually out to abuse them. They just want some relationship with them. But meanwhile, make your skin crawl. Like how can that person ever be in a relationship with their parent after what they went through? Well, you ready for this? this is the craziest thing, is that. Years ago, I went out on a limb and said to a particular person that they should have some very limited relationship with, their, with the father. But when I say limited, I mean like she should have like major rules that she tells him that these are the rules. Um, I remember one of the rules was if he tries to find her, he gets a three-month punishment of no contact. I mean, if he tries to find out where she lives. Um, which he did at one point and lost contact for three months. He was allowed one text message a month. That was the rule. One text message a month. He texts her. She texts him back. One text message a month. So that was the rules. It was related to the father. The father agreed and sent his text message to the number. And, and she sends me a message and who had been badly abused. This time was a boy. And... He also, we say, I helped with the rules. Anyway, the guy sends me a message saying, you saved my life. And this kept going, and everyone keeps saying, you saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. For like, almost no contact. Like a thread of contact. You saved my life, you saved my life, you saved my life. Finally, I had a guy in the seminar, in my seminar, and he said, he didn't say you saved my life. And so I said, I was just wondering why. So I said to him, how did you feel before... You got, started contacting your, your parents. And he said, I felt like I was dying. Meaning the one guy who didn't say he saved my life. The first thing that came out of his mouth when I asked him what it felt like before he had that limited contact was, I felt like I was dying. So I don't think we really understand how much we need our parents in our lives. I don't think we get that. But you, get, you better get it. You better get it. If you want to be well, you want to be healthy, you got to have And it might even be just a thread of contact, but meaning for abusive parents, but, but we need to have that contact. We really need it. It's part of healthy living is to keep the contact, even in the slightest amounts. Obviously, for normal parents, the most you can do, then we got the tough love is don't let your spiritual life be taken down by parents who don't understand it. We spoke about some of the basics of honoring your parents as well. And uh, so um, this week was somehow all about this subject. You know, we went from, I don't know how this happened, but we went from how to find a soulmate to circumcision to being fruitful and multiplying to honoring our parents. So it's been a weird week for us. It was a pleasure. Shalom, everyone. It's Lacharav. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.